Today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we are talking about anxiety. Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Karina Hoyer. And I'm Kirsten Barron. And we are so happy you are here. Thanks so much for joining us on our podcast today. As you know, Kirsten and I love talking about women and work because we truly, genuinely want your workplace to be full of joy, meaning, and ease. And what better way to do that than by listening to two incredibly intelligent and attractive (laughs) women. (laughs) I'm talking about Karina and Kirsten. And by the way, Kirsten, my perpetual call-in guest, we have to thank our listeners for tuning in despite the fact that our sweet sound is slightly compromised by COVID. And Kirsten Barron is calling in for, I think this is like the third or fourth show that we've done with our- Yeah, I'm your perpetual call-in guest. It's now Karina gets to work. Yeah, it's Karina Hoyer gets to work and has her friend Kirsten call in. (laughs) That's what it sounds like. Just do not get yourself. Kirsten Barron is holding this entire thing together. I just, my microphone sounds better. So so here we are, however many weeks into this. I think, what is this, like 500, week number 500 of of the lockdown? Week number 500, (laughs) we are podcasting from the pandemic. (laughs) live from the pandemic. It's been interesting. I've been finding these like small joys and silver linings. I don't know about you, but one of them has been the postal service. I swear. It's like I'm back in the like, I don't even know what turn of the century when mail delivery is kind of a big thing. You know, it was so fascinating, Karina. I was looking back at a box of old papers I had and I received in college so many letters from friends over the summer when we were separated, like just letter after letter after letter. And it's just fascinating. I feel the same way again. It's like when the mail comes, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's in here? And there's been some treats. I mean, for our listeners, those yeah. of you who are following us on Facebook or Instagram, all you got to do is send us an email or private message us your address, and we're sending out Karina and Kirsten Get to Work stickers, which has been so fun to be able to reach out. I've been actually seeing photographs of those stickers once they get into people's hands and in their houses. And then we had somebody recently reciprocate, both of us and many other people are also receiving things in the mail from a very talented artist in our community. Her name is Lisa. And usually we don't use people's last names on the air, but I, I think-, think we should. Karina, we should definitely use her last name. I think it's okay because it's Lisa McShane and she's sending out drawings. What does yours look like, Kirsten? Mine is a beautiful drawing of the shore of Samish Bay with some conifer trees in the background. It's this pencil drawing. It's very sweet. And of course, it was accompanied by a Mary Oliver poem, who is like one of my very favorite poets. And so just this amazing moment to stop and to reflect and to read a poem and to have something in my hands and this beautiful paper. I mean, it was just a great little experience. Yep. I had the same exact experience. So I know Lisa is sending out her pandemic drawings, I believe she's calling them, to people who express an interest in that. And we're sending out stickers to folks who who tell us they want them too. So that kind of sweet... A slightly different experience, the sticker, but nonetheless very satisfying. (laughs) Yeah. You mean it's better. (laughs) Well, it's exciting to receive our bright blue and orange sticker. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's a great sticker, by the way. Very high quality sticker, just like the show. (laughs) (laughs) Just like Kirsten's sound quality. 
<laughs> Those stickers have gone through the dishwasher on my water bottle probably a hundred times, and they still look as good as the day I put it on there. So they are good stickers. Man, we laid out the dough for those. We do not. They're warranted. We do not do things half-assed around here. Okay, speaking of around here, we do have a subject today we want to talk about. And you, Kirsten, were particularly excited about talking about anxiety. Do you want to kick us off? I will kick us off. I will kick us off on anxiety. And I find it, you're right. I was the one who was like, let's talk about anxiety. And it wasn't just COVID like, oh, let's talk about anxiety because it's COVID. I just think my own workplace has been pretty impacted by anxiety even before COVID. I think that this is a big issue in the workplace. And I was laughing at myself because I was thinking, you know, as we're talking about this, why did I want to talk about both competition and anxiety recently? And are those two things related, right? Anyway, but that aside, Karina and I had a great conversation about what anxiety even means. Worry, nervousness, unease about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome, what I also experienced and read about was that anxiety does not have to be triggered by something in the future. It can be triggered by something in the past. Loss of a job, a death, some traumatic circumstance. And how does it feel like in, and I'm just going to describe how it feels in my body, because I, I really think that I'm your pretty average Jill. I'm kind of nervous. I feel like I have like some electric prickles or current jittery. I can get a little sick to my stomach. Sometimes I can have difficulty sleeping. I can feel jumpy. I can make me very tired. I can be a really irritable person. I know some people get dry mouth and they get sweaty. I thank God do not get sweaty. Praise the Lord, do not get sweaty. I'm kind of a sweaty person in general. Just as a side note, I get sweaty when I have anxiety. And just a little tip here for our listeners, and I am not joking about this. I have some suit jackets that, you know, you can't launder them all of the time. And so I would go into important meetings and I would like pit out like crazy in them. And (laughs) I know. So I started putting, I am not joking. I'm just going to just say it to the world panty liners on the inside of my Get coat jacket. Out. No, it was the most brilliant thing I have ever done. I actually have coworkers who make fun of me because I've offered them panty liners for their own suit jackets. And it's that's actually brilliant. Yeah. So just a little side tip. If you have anxiety, and you know, it was so funny when you use the word pit out. I was like, that's because you live with so many boys. That's why you use that word <laughs> pit out. Right. Yes. And then when you started about panty liners, I'm like, you know what? That's a great idea, Karina. So when you're anxious at work, put your panty liners in. Put panty liners in (laughs) your armpits. I am not joking. Okay. So thank you for that description, Kirsten. I totally derailed us. You were going on about how it manifests itself. I'm going to turn it back over to you. No, no. That's. I think that's, we always like the what to do about it. That's a great solution, some panty liners. Okay. So let's talk about why we get anxious at work. So, and I'm going to let you kind of riff on this a little bit, Karina, because I, I don't know where to start. There's so many things to be anxious about at work. 
Yeah. And I guess people do experience everyday anxiety, like what you just described. And the things that work that trigger this is sometimes, well, I guess in some cases universal and and in some stuff was surprising to me. Like I was reading that, you know, things you would expect to trigger anxiety, like public speaking, for instance, that's a huge one. People have a hard time with that. And they experience a lot of those things, profuse sweating when they have to speak publicly. Deadlines, conflicts at work when you have to approach a coworker, perhaps, or or you're afraid that there might be a conflict. People experience anxiety around that. But also things like managing people. I thought that was kind of interesting. Or mm-hmm. unclear expectations. So if there's if you have unclear expectations at work, you have a higher likelihood of experiencing anxiety or it triggers anxiety in some. I think also just generally having to interact with people around you. And I think that that's the other thing is folks at work who are working in workplaces where not only do you have coworkers, but you also deal with the public, there's a huge likelihood of having to feel anxious about certain situations. And I can see how unclear expectations. After I've read that, I've, I could see how unclear expectations would lead to anxiety because you have to figure out how you're going to navigate it. Were there any surprises for you, Kirsten, when you were thinking about workplace anxiety? You know, there really wasn't for me just because, as I said in the beginning, this is a topic that I've really thought about and experienced a lot in the workplace, both in myself and other people. And I think that the situation with unclear expectations is anytime there's an unknown it triggers a tiny bit of anxiety. How much or how big kind of depends on who you are and what the unknown is. But anytime you don't know what's going to happen, it could potentially trigger anxiety. And what I found interesting, this was many years ago that I learned this, that the less control you have in the workplace, the more anxiety you experience. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you're the CEO, all things equal, you probably experience less anxiety than the executive assistant that works for the CEO who doesn't really know what her day or his day is going to look like. Got it. Right? Yeah. 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 The CEO has much more control over her day, arguably, than other people. So it's one of the things that I learned early on in my career as a lawyer about understanding everybody else's experience around me. Yeah, which is also kind of an interesting lesson to folks who are in positions of power, that the more that you can give the people around you clear parameters, and also just a clear expectation of what they are responsible for, you can minimize some of the stuff in people. You know, one of the things that I'm really curious about is what is normal? What is, and I hate that word, but sort of what is universally accepted? I don't even know how to say it. But when you and I were originally talking about the subject, I was trying to tease out what, like, I worry. I have worries. When does worry turn into anxiety? And when does anxiety, like what you would expect to be normal anxiety, when does that flip over to pathology, pathological? And I think, again, this is something you've thought about a lot. And I'm curious what your what your thoughts are on that. So here's my thought on that. So I really struggle because I think as a society, and particularly as a workplace, we pathologize anything that feels uncomfortable. So like, if you are worrying, if you are stressed, we tend to pathologize it as if we're all supposed to walk around like some Zen Buddhist nun, right? And I really think that there is normal anxiety that we can live with and accept and deal with. So for me, when I think about things that I see in my coworkers or I observe in myself, worry, they're worried about the outcome of something. 
they are worried about being, they maybe are embarrassed or they are self-conscious. They can sometimes have just other kinds of the symptoms that we talked about in the beginning, sleeplessness, jittery, all of those things. So those things I really think are normal reactions to everything happening in the workplace all the time, deadlines, conflicts, relationships. I think when we get into the place where when it's time to look at it a different way, is when it really interferes with your participation and what you're doing. This is a great example. So I want to talk about this article that Krina and I read that I thought we talked about quite a bit. It's a great article. I'll attach the link in our show notes. But it's by a woman named Irene Levine. And it's about a third-year postdoc student in neuroscience called Marika Gilmartin. And I looked her up after I read this article. She's now a professor, Dr. Gilmartin, at Marquette. So I'm going to refer to her as Dr. Gilmartin. But she talks about, she was asked as a graduate student to do a talk with her supervisors. And she just found this experience to be unbearable. She would be nauseated for days. She'd have to lie down. She was unable to really practice or think about it. And all of these things made her anxiety worse. And then she was sitting with her advisor who would help her practice. And he would say, don't say this, don't say that, say it this way. And she'd just get more and more anxious. And this got so bad that at one point she lost vision in her eyes, right? Which is normal. Like that is actually, that happens to other people. Yes, yes. It's called a vasovagal response. That's what that's called. But for her, these experiences, and they even bled into social experiences. If there was a happy hour or a social gathering for scientists or other people in her network, she would have these same kind of experiences. And she thought about leaving science. She's like, I just can't do this. This is too much. I'm going to leave science. And what she ended up Of course, she ended up getting help because, and that's where I think we get into pathology. Are you considering leaving what you love? Is it getting in the way of doing what you enjoy? So that's, I think, when all of these feelings get to this place where maybe this isn't normal. Now, I obviously, I'm not an expert. I just play one on Karina and Kirsten get to work. (laughs) (laughs) On Karina Hoyer gets to work. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Karina Hoyer gets to work with her guest, Kirsten. Anyway, so that's when I think, It's something you should do something about. Yeah. And I think that, frankly, and I have to apologize again for the use of the word normal. And I've heard myself say it a couple of times in the show already. And I just don't think there is anything normal. I don't want to imply that anything is normal or abnormal. I think what we're trying to say is, and I love what you just said there, is that the difference is whether it's manageable by yourself or whether you need to seek help. And regardless of where your anxiety is on that continuum, there are things that you can do to manage it. I mean, Kirsten, just when you're feeling jittery or when I'm sweating profusely, I mean, there are things, and even though we may not be seeking counseling for this or medication for this, there are things that we can do to calm our minds, to calm our hearts, to calm our etc. And we're going to get to some of those things later on in the show. But I also think you have had so many experiences both within your workplace and working with others that I'm curious how you've seen anxiety manifest itself in the workplace. I have had very close coworkers over my work life and myself that I can really look at about, okay, how does anxiety impact in the workplace? So I have one colleague 
who she has a lot of anxiety. I don't want to call it a disorder because I don't even know. She got help from a therapist to work on her anxiety. What's so interesting about her anxiety is that when she is anxious, she just digs in almost in an obsessive compulsive way to find the answer and to get it right. So in her situation, she produces the most excellent work. Like her work is so good, so careful, so thorough, but it is very difficult to produce what she produces in the way she produces it. It's really hard on her. Yeah, it comes at a cost. Yeah, it comes at a cost to her. The workplace really benefits. The workplace really benefits. Her employer really benefits, but she really suffers, right? I think that that's also a very, I'm not going to say it's necessarily only females, but I think that the women I know who experience anxiety in the workplace tend to do exactly that, work more and more and more and harder and harder and harder, because we're also highly capable. Mm-hmm. And it comes at a cost. And I know you and I talk about this a lot about giving yourself some grace and backing off and doing less and saying no. But that's a very real thing for a lot of people is I'll just do more. I'll just work harder. I'll just dig in deeper. So I just want to call that out. And I think, you know, obviously other people deal with it differently. Like you've had several other people who have different experiences. But it's very interesting because the thing that you said that really clicked in my mind is that working harder and doing a really good job are a very effective way to deal with your anxiety. Like that's a good coping mechanism, right? I'm anxious. I'm just going to get in there and get her done. Great. Because then you can relieve your anxiety. But I think you have to really check into the amount of suffering it causes you, right? That's, I think, with that coworker, she really did check in with how much suffering and said, this is too much suffering. I should not suffer like this. So that's the good news for that coworker. And what's really interesting is I think through this is all of these are women. Hmm. They're all women. It's fascinating. As I think through all the people that I've worked with, I can only think of one man who I would say is anxious. Interesting. Maybe that's an emotional, who knows? There's actually a study that references that 71% of women experience anxiety in the workplace. So it's not nice factoid. It, yeah, I know. Dropping the bombs over here. Dropping the <laughs> dropping the fact bombs. I am not surprised it's women. Also because anxiety manifests itself in the brain and our brains are way more highly capable. I'm going to say it. Sorry <laughs> Just guys. Say it. Just say it. Oh, there it is. They're working overtime. I think it's hard on on everyone. If you experience anxiety, even what we would call on the continuum of anxious behaviors towards the lower end, it does take a toll. And it's not always your choice. In fact, there's a lot of research out there that talks about how people are hardwired in a way that they experience anxiety. And so... I believe this so deeply, Karina. I totally believe that. Yes, And so you have to be able to recognize these emotions in yourself and find the tools and the ways to cope with it, recognizing that there's nothing wrong with you, but it does take a toll. And, you know, add a new layer on top of that, which is a pandemic. And by the way, I'm working from home now, or I'm working in an environment that is high stress. I mean, if you're actually working outside of the home right now, chances are that you're doing an essential job or you're in a service industry job or you're in healthcare. By the way, which I thought this was really interesting. I know it's slightly unrelated, but 80% of the workforce in healthcare are women. And 83% of the workforce in social services are women. And so right now, women are working 
so hard and they are holding the shit together. They're holding our communities together. We are holding our communities together and struggling perhaps to hold our emotions or our mental wellness together as well. So in addition to all of the regular or traditional triggers for workplace anxiety, now we have fear of catching this virus. Those are two really interesting, two more fact bombs from Ukraine. The 80% of women in healthcare, that surprised me. I didn't know it was that high. 83 in social services did not surprise me, but the 80%, wow, that's a lot of women. And I do think, we talked about this, just referenced it in the beginning, but the whole COVID overlay, there are really real reasons to be anxious. Do we have enough tests? What kind of information do we have? How good is the information? When do we open up? When do we close back down? So this is a time, I think, where there is a lot of heightened anxiety over all of the things we've already all been experiencing and dealing with. Yeah, exactly. And so what do we do about it? My suggestion, put panty liners in your (laughs) armpits and make a Manhattan. But I don't think that the experts would agree that those are the two. (laughs) No, the experts would not agree with you, Krina. (laughs) Oh my God, that is just, I can't believe I admitted to this on the air. But there are. <laughs> I love that so much. Panty liners in a Manhattan is the cure to all anxiety. It's great. <laughs> That's all I need. But <laughs> there are a lot of tips and tricks out there. I mean, I know I've had to figure out how to quiet my mind. And I think that I experience anxiety in sort of the having just that constant record playing in my mind and I I can't sleep or I can't get something out. I can't distract myself from my thoughts. And we found some great tips to manage stress and anxiety at work. And I think one of the best ones I love was work. <laughs> so, so in addition to, you know, financial reasons, working can be important for your self-esteem, right? So if you have anxiety about work, you should work. You need to go to work. You need to start work. You need to work. <laughs> yeah, you do. No, it's true. It's like, I remember when my kids went to preschool and their preschool teacher told me, she was Montessori, she said, every human needs meaningful work, even if you're three. And their work just happens to be play, right? And so I really believe that as adults, we need meaningful work. So go work. Yeah, that's the first one. Yes, So there are some others too, which are, you know, you can share your experience with somebody you trust at work. Sometimes talking about how you feel can really be comforting and that person may have their own experience that they share with you, right? Okay, but should you tell your boss? This is very interesting, Karina. I was going to actually talk about this before we started on the tips and stuff, but when you get into a place where your anxiety is really impacting your work, it may be appropriate to tell your boss, as we talk about this all the time, is that safe? Is that okay? Are you worried about losing your job? If you have like an anxiety disorder, you are protected by the Americans with Disabilities Act. Your workplace has to make accommodations for you to do your work. So it may be appropriate to ask your supervisor for an accommodation. Candidly, I would not do that before you have talked to like a therapist or somebody who's a counselor or something like that to get a little more information. But that's a possibility because anxiety can be a disability protected under the law. So that's a good thing to think about after you've talked to a counselor or a therapist. Okay. Thank you for that. So what other things do you think folks can do in the workplace to manage anxiety? I like to avoid toxic coworkers. 
Yeah, always. Actually, I think that should be a tip on every single show that we ever do, regardless of the subject. It's just... We should just start the show with that. So first of all, avoid toxic coworkers. Yeah, exactly. You know, ignoring negativity and gossip in your workplace, those things that sort of tend to heighten, fan the flame a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the other thing I think that's really important is self-awareness. I mean, we talk about this in every other show, the importance of recognizing in yourself what it is you're feeling, right? This is to stop. And you mentioned this as well. I have to settle myself. Every once in a while, I get what I call unattached anxiety, where I'm not really sure what I'm anxious about. And I even just stop and think about it. And just be aware, we're talking about what the symptoms of anxiety are. Dig in deeper. See if there's something you're experiencing that is a symptom of anxiety, that is an expression of anxiety. Just get curious about how you're feeling. I realized that my anxiety was just unattached. Like I wasn't really anxious about anything. And I was like, hmm, okay. And so then honestly, I just see that for me as a trigger to say, my bandwidth is low. I'm out of gas, something like, I mean, I use it kind of as a a temperature. Like I need to take better care of myself, get more sleep, go for a walk in the woods, something like that. So I think that that idea of being self-aware and educating yourself on what those symptoms are, combining those two gives you some real knowledge of yourself and what it is you need, right? So I think that's a super important way to cope. Yes. And it's interesting, the things that you just referenced, taking a walk or getting more sleep, those are honest to goodness, recommended ways to deal with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Plan a vacation, take a break, eat healthy, get enough sleep, exercise regularly, limit caffeine. Some of those things that we just that give our body more or less resilience. You have a choice about a lot of those. Now, again, if this is tipped over to the point where it's pathological. If, if anxiety is tipped over- Or it to, interferes with your daily activities, right? If it interferes. Then you may be rolling your eyes at the like, yeah, like taking a walk is really going to help. It does. Don't knock it till you try it. Right. And for me, it's time with trees. I just got to get outside in nature and I can feel the calming effect. Another thing though, and I thought this was also interesting, is set boundaries. Like try not to bring home work. Don't check your work email. Eliminate those triggers and try to isolate them in your workplace. Work is work and home is home. And when you're home, you're calm, you're caring for yourself, you're taking walks, you're listening to what your body and your mind is saying and trying to address it. And I think also, you know, kind of staying organized, avoiding the chaos. I think it was the last episode that we released. You said frantic freak show, which is one of my new favorite sayings. Mm -hmm. Frantic freak show. Try to tamp down the frantic freak show if you can. That's my own personal tip. When I'm anxious about public speaking, I just prepare. And I don't think I'm obsessive compulsive about it, but I am well prepared. And that reduces my anxiety tremendously by being well prepared. And one of the things I was listening to some of these psychologists, there was three psychologists, I'll put the link on the uh, notes because I can't remember what their names were. They were talking about anxiety during COVID-19. And one of the things that one of them said was, engage yourself deeply in the here and now, right? And I thought that was so very helpful, like just stop and see where you are right now. Because I think that when you do that, it stops your brain from racing into all of the catastrophizing and all of the worry. And if it even gives you relief for the few moments that you experience it, it ups your bandwidth, right? It gives you a little bit more to work with. Yeah, I love that. Engage the here and now, which is mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Be in the moment, 
and let that emotion or those emotions wash over you. Mm-hmm. Even if just for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then figure out how you're going to address them. You know, just back to that thing, which I think we've said it several times now, anxiety is a feeling and I don't want to minimize it. For some people, it's a real struggle to manage and it's a feeling mm-hmm. and feelings last about what? 90 seconds. We talked about big feelings last 90 seconds. So sometimes if it's a big anxiety, it'll it'll last that long. Sometimes it can be longer, but it really is just a feeling and it is something that we actually can manage. And in all seriousness, Manhattans and panty liners aside, (laughs) there are things that we can do. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is because we can create more ease and joy in the workplace. It does not have to be as hard as it is sometimes. I don't know anybody who doesn't experience it just a little bit. I don't know anybody who is absolutely free of anxiety. And I see lots of people who suffer from it. And I think if we can just do some of these things to reduce anxiety, it's going to be happier, easier, we'll be more productive, all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you introduced this topic. And I'm glad that we were able to talk about it and do some of the work in learning about it. Because I've Learn some coping strategies and mechanisms that I'm going to put in place too. Because I too get anxious. I get nervous. I play the tapes over and over in my head. And I'm going to be quicker to recognize that and employ some solutions, especially when it seems like the world and our problems and the issues are so, are so big. big. Mm-hmm. So big right so now. So big. So yeah. big. Yeah. Well, feels like a wrap to me. Feels like a wrap, people. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Take really good care of yourselves all the time, but particularly in the pandemic. Yes. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. We'll see you on the flip side. Thanks for working. Take care. Bye. Krina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Krina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. listening. <laughs>